Hello everyone and welcome to the Scientia podcast. We are a group of researchers funded by the Scientia Fellowship Program hosted at the University of Oslo in Norway. We were wanting to get to know other researchers, um, how they do, how they got to Norway, how they got to where they are and what motivates them and of course what they are studying. So we thought we could make this podcast. In this episode we want to talk about um, the transition from academia to industry or to other types of jobs so how can this transition be done and for this we have um, two very interesting guests that's Osmund and Christian um, and we want to introduce them today and we want to talk about how this process is done and how we can uh, what is what are drawbacks what are kind of good things about this transition and how this can be done also for other researchers in the field and I'm gonna pass now to Vandana hi Thanks, Osman and Christian, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. So, Christian, can you... You both have backgrounds in academia and on your PhD. Uh, but what was the motivation for you guys to move into industry? But before we get into that, I would like to know about your background and your experience in other countries and then coming back to your homeland. So, yes. yes. Uh, Hi, I'm Christian Bindespel, and I work as a country medical manager in Roche. I have a PhD by training from the Faculty of Medicine, and I was about a decade in academia, where I worked in different countries, the States, France, Denmark. Uh, but now I'm back in Norway, and about five years ago, I uh, transitioned to the industry. How about you, Osman? Um, Osmund Eichnis here. I work as a senior content designer in a design agency in Oslo. Uh, I used to be a biologist, or maybe I still am a biologist. Um, I have a PhD in stem cell biology and cancer research from the Norwegian Radium Hospital. Um, I left academia twice, first directly after the PhD to pursue a career as an author. And then I worked for a couple of years at the University of Oslo as a senior lecturer and started doing research again, more from the pedagogy side. And then about two years ago, I left for an industry side design consultancy uh, work, which is really fascinating. Part of my PhD, well, I spent some time in California and Los Angeles and I had to learn to talk about Norway as someone who wasn't there and see ourselves from the outside and then coming back, which was fascinating. Mm. That's interesting. So then I have a question for you. What do you think of foreigners coming in Norway? Especially now in winter, since you see most of us skiing and falling off. So what what's your take on that? Brilliant. I'm very fan of uh, all types of experiences and nationalities and uh, thinking power coming to Norway to help shake things up and do things differently, better, Uh, in teams and learn. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, absolute uh, in favor and I spent most of my uh, PhD years in a very international lab and I don't think either the fun or the quality would have been the same if we were only Norwegians. Yeah, so it's a must for high quality, high fun research environments. How about you, Christian? Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, what Osmonds is saying here. The expertise that other people bring from other countries and also... Um, just their background and cultural story. It's a very nice and inspiring and creative environment to work in to have that mix together. So 
uh, yeah, definitely a big fan of it as well. Yeah. And foreigners are not the only ones who fall on skis. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting perspective because also I, I'm working in an international lab and I think that's really a good um, inspiring environment. Um, coming to the next point, so I, we have some kind of bullet points here <laughs> we kind of start with. So, um, I mean, you all live in Oslo and you were raised in Oslo. What do you like most of us in Oslo? What is your kind of favorite thing in Oslo or what is the, the thing that is kind of distinguishing it from, from other places? Um, maybe you can start, Christian. Yeah, it's a good good question. Um, I lived abroad in, in, in different uh, countries. Uh, I realized that one, one thing that I, I liked about uh, or do like about Oslo is uh, how close it is to, to nature and um, uh, how family friendly it is here. Uh, during my time as a PhD in Denmark, uh, which is very different landscape-wise, it's totally flat. Um, I speak Danish because I, I am Danish by background, but after like three months in Denmark, I noticed that there's something going on here that I don't really understand, but I'm not really enjoying myself here. And I realized that it was the, the landscape, actually. It's like totally flat. There's no variation. So I, I know that I need to live somewhere where there is a bit of um, variation in the landscape uh, close to the sea. Uh, I like Oslo for a lot of different reasons, but I'm also open to, to move to other uh, countries or places with similar scenario. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I think I like Oslo because it's big enough that I can disappear, but small enough that I can have an overview. Uh, yeah. And then learning that you don't need the main street, Karl Johan, to be happy in the city. Or maybe it's best if you think that it's anything else than the main street. Yeah. So learning to love the local neighborhoods that are outside of the main street is when you truly know and can appreciate Oslo, close to nature and these things. And coffee-wise, world-class. Okay. <laughs> Interesting perspective. <laughs> I, I I really also agree with you that the size, I really like it, Oslo. It's not so big as uh, many other kind of, uh, big, it's still a capital, right? It's not that big like Berlin or, mm. or other places which are really like huge and you got lost there. But it's still a capital that has still a lot of, of things to offer, also culturized and still uh, being not too mm. like huge and uh, um mm like very urban and you still have the nature. It's a good thing. Yeah, I think I will not even go there because then I will be comparing Norway, entire Norway to like a part of a city in India. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I think that's uh, true. Like it's really nice. Uh, I think from my perspective, it's a very few secluded place, I could say, <laughs> but it's very close to nature. So that's what I like about Oslo. Mm -hmm. But it is a bit grey at the moment, mid-January. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The slush outside and the coldness and the greyness and yeah. I agree. I, I now yeah. I realize why Norwegians are so excited about summer. At first, I did think like, are these people crazy? Like, why do they get out the minute they see sun? Mm. But now I think I have value. I am valuing mm. the importance of sun. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that is kind of for us foreigners at least. It's always uh, winter. It's really like a special time, and especially when it's dark. But when it's snow, at least, then it's good. But yes. when it's uh, wet and 
Grey also don't like mm. it. But I think who likes that? I mean, that's not, not, I think there's no one really uh, enjoying that kind of weather. But I, like I think it because we can... it fills me with the hope for the summer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I kind of like that time of the year where you're more indoors and uh, more in front of the fireplace and uh, kind of like looking forward to the summer. And yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> it, it kind of then you value the summer a bit more. That is true. It's, mm. Um, but I think also we can kind of talk a bit about the transition because uh, I think for us it is, for, I think your CV was very interesting when we checked it on LinkedIn and it is very interesting to see this uh, transition process and especially for you, Asmund, that is kind of a really huge change from science to um, being an author and then going back to science and then going to a consultancy um I, what what do you, what is what do you realize how what was the reason for that move mm. it's taken some time uh, so it's not a quick decision it's perhaps one thing i should say i finished my phd in 2015 so it's almost eight years now uh, so it's not a overnight decision to leave it's sort of over many years I think I'm better at doing other things than being in the lab was the main motivation for me, realizing that uh, writing, thinking, talking, exploring, teaching were things that I really enjoyed, but that those things weren't major parts of what my future academic biology career looked like. So then I decided to not pursue the will never have a permanent job in the next 15 years working every weekend life that many still find attractive. It cost me too much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so then I didn't want to play that game and decided I can be good at other things and still be happy and successful. Yep. Yeah. And that took some time. And I know that that is part of the leaving science or academia behind this identity shift. Uh, can be quite a long and hard process for many. Uh, yeah. Although I opened with saying I'm a former biologist, I think I'm still a scientist in mindset. So my current job isn't that different. Um, I still um, walk into a room full of a group of people and help them think about and solve really complex issues. It's no longer stem cell biology related or cancer research related, but it's uh, sorting the big picture from the small details, organizing a timeline to solve problems, thinking deeply and creatively about how to see things from a different perspective, or then uh, rethinking everything again and starting over and reading and thinking. Yeah. So um, I'm still doing sciencey things, but it's a very in a different context. Uh, yeah, so. Although it sounds like I completely left this science identity, um, I don't think that's entirely true from where I see it now. Although it has felt like that a number of ways along the way. Yeah. So for now, I mostly, um, half of my job is helping clients think carefully and critically and creatively about problems. And the other half is to use text or writing as a design tool to solve problems. How can we make the words and the button better so that people understand where they should click? Or mm -hmm. how to make the first paragraph of a strategy so good that it's usable and not just fluff. Yeah, so uh, uh, text as a tool to solve problems. 
which is quite similar to my former pipetting skills or uh, fruit fly skills. They're tools to solve problems. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, very interesting. Um, the, um, and Christian, I mean, you kind of moved from academia to farmer. I mean, there, I would assume the difference, at least you're still doing kind of research, but then from the industrial side, which is for sure different, I know a bit, but it's, I guess, also a bit similar, though there are thin kind of, also, like you said, Osmond, though there's still this other tools maybe, or the same tools even, but uh, um, you use it for other things. So what can you tell about what was your motivation to move, but also what is kind of the main difference you experienced to, to the scientific work before? Sure. Um, I would say in many ways, I, I was focused on an academic career for many years. I um, was involved in teaching. I supervised students. I did research exchange. I was in uh, committees and um, I published uh, quite a few papers, but then I came back to my motivation many times throughout uh, the years in academia and thinking, uh, is this really for me? Uh, what is my motivation and what do I feel passionate about? And can I take that somewhere else? Like uh, Osman said, I felt the workload uh, was kind of like too much with weekend and uh, I felt I also didn't have time to do other things that I enjoyed in life. Uh, so it was costing uh, as well. So I was wondering if I could take my passion and use it um, somewhere else. And I, that came, that thought came many times over many years, I would say. So it was a long process for me as well. And at one point, I think it just occurred to me that it's not really a dilemma that I have at the moment. Um, the dilemma is if I actually expose myself to the process and then get a contract or something in the hand, then I would sit with the dilemma, uh, finding a job that I would find uh, that looks interesting and saying yes or no to it. That is the dilemma. So I decided to expose myself to the process um, and um, learned a lot from that as well. It was never a black and white moment for me, like now I'm going to leave academia. It was actually kind of gray. I loved so many parts of it, uh, but there... Uh, were also other things that I knew that I wanted with my life um, than at, um, perceiving a pr professor career. So I also decided then that I want to try for one year uh, when I find a new job and then see how that works out. Um, and I've now been in the industry for about five, five years. So I, I uh, really enjoy it. I still use a lot of my background as a scientist, uh, like you, like you said. Um, but it's also quite different. I'm not in the wet lab anymore. Uh, I'm working more with uh, scientific projects, um, working kind of closer to the patient uh, than I did in academia, where it was more basic research. That's a big motivation for me. Um, trying to find evidence gaps of new molecules in development to see what is needed to get uh, access to patients in Norway. Securing correct medical information for products that's on the market. Um, work with clinical trials uh, to get p patients uh, to have the option to participate in a cl clinical trial if there's a new um, new experimental medicine. Um, also partnering partnering with uh, 
external stakeholders uh, to see if there's any uh, challenges or barriers in the patient journey and then uh, looking if we could design uh, opportunities or solution for that together. So it is a quite diverse job that involves a lot of like project management and skills that I had from academia, but it is also um, not so much hands on uh, the pipettes anymore. Mm. It's uh, it's different in that way. Yeah, I mean that is that is very it's very interesting because I think that is the. Mm, As a scientist, you kind of tend to do everything by yourself and then you kind of sit in the lab and then you do, but then you also do the right thing. So actually you learn a lot of different technologies and a different um, things and also a lot of kind of, as you also said, Osman, the thinking kind of mm -hmm. and kind of how to formulate uh, your research ideas and everything. So I think it can help in all kind of different fields. And I think many people now kind of realize that the scientific career, to some extent, even if they are passionate about that, um, they come at some point where they just say it's either too much or the chances of getting a permanent position is so low that it's kind of, it's always the carrot that is kind of holded in front of you and then you always try to get it, but you never reach it. And that is for many people just too frustrating and they're going to leave. And um, that is, I think, really a, a huge problem in, in in uh, in the in the academic world, I think. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think it's really important that we realize that skills are very transferable. It doesn't matter in which domain you go. But also, I think it's about the opportunity. So coming on that, can you tell me like how how did you end up in the positions that you are like? Was it networking skills or like? I mean, it's quite difficult when you know like companies have like this huge post up and they're like thousands of applicants, but At times, it's the networking that helps. So could you both like say, what helped you in getting to this job? Christian? Yes. Um, there's making the jump from academia to the industry. Uh, you, you are competing with a lot of um, uh, other uh, applicants, uh, especially applicants also from the industry. So I felt that there's something more that you need to, to um, uh, what could you say? prove in terms of your motivation of the that transition um, so you really have to or I, I tailored the um, CV and the cover letter very much to the job description so it has to be a bit differently than ac the academic career where you list your methods and your papers but more looking at um, to translate what do I know that's important for them so try to kind of like uh, uh, look at the job description and then look at the different points there and then um, making sure uh, that those boxes kind of like were, were ticked. Uh, and I did use a lot of networking as well. I didn't know much about the industry, actually, to be honest. Uh, what positions are out there? What is it like? What does it even mean to be a medical advisor? Uh, what is a medical science liaison? Uh, so I did spend some time to to talk to others and understand what are those roles and um, what are the opportunities there. Do they like uh, working in the company that they they are working in? Uh, how was the transition like for them? Learning from other people, having them to read through the cover letter and the CV, maybe role-playing the interview. There's so much you can use your network for and maybe also recommending you for a position um, in that company. So definitely network is a big, big part of it, both to kind of understand uh, 
the roles in a company, but also to to help you uh, to get there. I think it's not enough to just send in a CV and a, a cover letter, even though it's very good because you need to stand out from a yeah. bunch of other people uh, also very motivated for that position. So you need to turn every stone uh, to make sure that you did everything you could to get to that interview. And once you're on the interview, it's basically just that they would look at your personality. That's my experience. <laughs> Not so much. Uh, then they kind of read your CV, like the ingredients and in back of a milk. And then at the interview, they just want to check if the milk is sour. You know, kind of <laughs> being, uh, who are you and will you fit into the team? What's your motivation, etc. So, yeah. This is a difficult question for me because I've had five different jobs after the PhD. Uh, I think maybe half of them through network and half of them through open or applications and vacant positions. The, but in this context, maybe the current job makes sense to describe. Um, um, it's a design agency that I've known about for a while. My husband used to work there as an interaction designer many years ago. So I've sort of known about them and followed them and know some of the people and have seen that they were changing. Um, the company is called Hologen, and they seem to be quite unafraid of hiring people with different backgrounds to maybe on purpose make quite multidisciplinary teams that solve problems differently. Yeah. So my approach was, I'm very different from the rest of you and you need me mm. uh, approach, in, which is maybe similar to your, uh, my skills are relevant for the things you do. Uh, approach, Christian, but I'm also hearing that you're maybe also saying I'm quite similar to the people from tech, I'm just a bit different but you can still see me as one of them whereas my approach was more I'm very different and you're going to hire me because of it. Uh, the things that I know that are similar mm. to your things anyone can say that but my very diff otherness in this case, please hire me for being different approach seemed to work and mm. it's quite fun. Yeah, And I after... That is that is really interesting because that is completely different mm. angle to see and it's really good to to kind of have the courage to do that and to kind of do that because it's uh, I mean you you always kind of stick to what you learn and what you kind of done before and then you try to repeat and doing this huge transition I think it's a really interesting motivation and mm. a very courage to say okay I'm different so just hire me cool mm. and I think many of the things that we learn from an academic background are quite unique in particular this ability to see the big picture and the important details and organize them and talk about them and work with them in this quite impressive scale um, is not something anyone can do uh, but it takes a bit of a leap of faith to say my thinking skills are what you need to hire me for instead of my lab skills or my biology skills or chemistry tool skills But um, it's doable, I think. So, Osman, how much of your job has um, artificial intelligence or technology that you use? Or do you work on such projects that come along? Mm, uh, yes, there are some projects. Um, we, of course, play around with uh, chat GPT to test things <laughs> and see if our... Uh, Snippet writing skills uh, will be covered by machines. So that's quite fun uh, to test uh, good prompts there. Um, 
It's funny when you're talking, Christian, because I assume the question would be primarily for you, but then your first part of the answer is uh, the big push towards decentralized healthcare, which is also some of our projects. Uh, yeah, so uh, I was expecting to be out of the loop for the question. And then all of a sudden, my current job is still health related. And I still get to think as a biologist sometimes. Mm. And so to see medical uh, changes happening as we're part of them. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. But to the um, AI projects, um, absolutely. Um, and the possibility to work together with uh, tech and more data industry companies in some of our projects is a really good opportunity to learn and uh, figure out new things and also see some similarities or differences between approaches to problem solving. Uh, Tech-driven problem-solving versus user-centered design problem-solving can result in quite different uh, end results. Um, yeah, so there's absolutely some uh, both AI and tech and uh, um, natural sciences elements to my current job, which is fun. Yeah, but um, I think for a leap such as mine, it also requires uh, a willingness to jump on board for more social science-y projects. Um, for example, what is important for young adults when they buy their first apartment? And uh, yeah, what is important when people try to... Um, a local area of Oslo want more people to drive the bus. What are the best incentives for non-Norwegian speakers to take the bus more often? Those types of uh, community-related or societal projects are also on our portfolio. So it requires a bit of a willingness to test new things, which I like. That's interesting. So since we are running out of time, um, I would like to ask you both that, is there anything that you miss in academia that you think is not there in your present job? No. <laughs> no. I sometimes... Um, I sometimes miss the time in, in the lab. It was very meditative sometimes to sit and, and pipe at, actually. Uh, um, but I feel like I have uh, a bigger uh, motivation for my job now and I'm more passionate for it. So I, I feel like I've also landed in the right spot. Mm. But I did actually have the time to think a little bit about this at one point because my... my um, transition into the industry was a little bit rocky. Uh, the first first job that I got, um, I, I was laid off uh, before I started because it was a transformation within the company. Uh, and uh, so I realized it's not necessarily that permanent to get a permanent job. And I went back to the university uh, just thinking like, what do I want to do? Is this still for me? Um, what do I really like uh, want to perceive in my life? But I realized I didn't have the answers to the questions before I kind of like exposed myself to that other job and tried it. So I decided to apply again and make the jump ag again. Uh, and I haven't regretted it since. No, I think the um, outside of academia, the potential for changing, at least is for me a lot bigger than a, what I felt academia could offer. So as a person who likes to become different things over time, it's brilliant. So please come join the outside. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, 
So I think it was very nice, this discussion today. I think I really enjoyed it. It's, it's very good to have this um, kind of a few from the outside world to say, as we in our academia tend to be a bit in our bubble. And I do, I mean, we do have also contact to industry and to partners. And for instance, we are also involved in innovation activities. But still, I think it's very interesting to get to know what's, what's going on mm. in, in, the, in the real world. <laughs> to yeah, say. and to um, know the opportunities. Mm. And I really like to have you here today, Osmond and, and Vandana. Mm. Uh, we both, uh, Matthias and, and, and Vandana, we enjoyed this today. And also Christian, thanks for your insights and um, happy yeah. to see you. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, and I me. hope our listeners also enjoy. So thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>